Today is Tuesday, July 20th, and our speaker today, as I said, is Jason, and I'm going to turn it over. Thank you very much, Tricia, and thank you, Lee, and most importantly, Rita, for asking me to uh, join your meeting this morning. It's, it's important for me to share what I've been given. In order for me to keep it, I have to give it away, and that's one of the paradoxes that I heard early enough. And based in fear, I, uh, I try to follow that. Uh, now I try to do it based out of love because I know it's been valuable to me. And the feedback I've gotten from working with others, surprisingly, is that I can be helpful at times. And that's what I needed. I didn't realize that. Um, I am a compulsive overeater and I am an addict. I'm addicted to sugar, flour, fried foods, other things. And I knew that and didn't want to face it. But because I'm an addict to other things, I, uh, I did a lot of damage to myself and others and uh, had to have an intervention of sorts. And that didn't take, and I had to have another one. And eventually, I wanted the pain and suffering to stop. So I had a choice, was to continue destroying myself or to go to a 12-step recovery program, which was suggested years prior. And I ignored because I had no intention of stopping. You know, the world had done me wrong and I was just going to plow through it, you know, get out of my way. This is me. I've been hurt and I, I deserve this somehow. I don't know exactly what I was thinking, but I knew what I was doing. I knew I was being mean on purpose because it seems like that's what the way life was. Um, I now know that's not the case. It is what you make of it. At least I can influence it differently. So if I influence it by being mean and destructive, uh, that's the world I live in. And if I can influence it by being loving and open and caring, that's more of what I get back. I didn't know that at the time. I had to, uh, I had to destroy myself uh, at my own hands. You know, I knew what I was doing wasn't working, but I didn't know what else to do. That's the phrase we have, right? I don't, what am I supposed to do? I had no choice. I had to, I had to operate this way. If you, if, if life had done to you what it had done to me, you would you would behave this way too. You know, I had all the excuses, all the all the explanations. But what I didn't see, because it was a shameful and embarrassing vulnerability, was that I had a lack of power. That's my real dilemma. I wasn't able to stop myself. I had every intention of not doing it again, and then it happened. Like I was I was a victim. That's why I felt that way. I, something was somebody was abusing me. It happened to be me. But I was still being abused. So that was it was frightening and scary because this is me. I should be able to stop myself. I'll control it next time. And that wasn't the case. You know, I was out of control and I couldn't stop myself. And that was like a point of incomprehensible demoralization. Like, what yeah, you know, how did how did it get this bad? Like that I didn't set off on this path of destruction. It just sort of happened to me. I don't. I don't know how or why. You know, looking back on my life, I was pretty charmed. I was in a, a well-protected small family in the suburbs, a lot of love and caring, but that didn't prevent my fears from, from overcoming me. You know, probably because of a lot of attention from my mother when she had stuff to do, the phone rang, someone came to the door. I felt abandoned. How could she do this to me? What do I got to do to get her back? And that sets up a strange relationship. Being a parent, it must be hard. I, I don't have children, so. But uh, looking back, I know it was difficult for her as well. 
And then, then the next phase of our relationship was uh, nurturer and caring, food, right? She tried to supply her very best. You know, she wasn't a bad cook. She supplied nutritious meals that I rejected because she cared. We battled and I won. I get to eat my crap, you know, frozen dinners that she would come home and just heat up and she felt horrible about it. But it was, it was all I would eat, you know? So she caved in. I won. Yeah, we had a few battles of you're going to sit there until you eat it and ha ha ha. I win. And then it's like, go to bed. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that was. What did I really win? Whatever. You know, you just sweep it under the rug. You go, the next day was fine. You know? So I didn't realize that I was failing at a lot of life's challenges. Um, one, because I was obstinate. And two, because my mother cared and, and sheltered and protected me and, and helped me succeed despite myself. So that was the early setup, you know, and, and uh, learning about life and that people die was just agonizing, you know, like everybody's going to die at some point. And this was just, it struck to an earlier curve, uh, an earlier sentiment of abandonment. You know, I was just like horrified that this is like, how did I get into this situation? Why am I here? This is just miserable. It's torture. This makes no sense. I don't, I don't understand this. And again, you just sort of cope with it, like dealing with you know, sleeping in the darkness as there monsters under the bed or in the closet. You just sort of get past it and then you grow up, you know, whether you deal with it or you just suppress it. I don't know. But life goes on. You deal with it. So fast forward, I was a late bloomer, again, sheltered, protected. I didn't discover alcohol till late high school. And then it was just immediate blackout drinking, you know, because like, woohoo, this is great. I can, I'm funny. I'm, I can do anything I want. I could just be me and it was great. And then people would tell me the next day, like, I did what? Like, that's, that's not, oh, that's, that's a strange behavior that I'm ashamed of and I don't want anyone to know. So drinking became a vulnerability. So I switched to other substances, um, which were more in line with my personality and attitude. Uh, it turns out marijuana can be addictive. So I switched to that because it, it just sat me down, relaxed me whatever. I stayed out of trouble. And then I get into college and uh, my father gets a brain tumor and dies within like six months. I'm 22 years old and I'm just stunned because I cared about this guy and I didn't really notice. He was just the stoic, quiet, takes care of everything in the background kind of father. He was always there. He always came home for dinner on time. Was there if you had any problems or questions? He sometimes initiated interactions, but mostly he was just there. I didn't realize he was the rock of the family. I didn't realize how important he was until he was threatened. And I saw my mother's panic because they were codependent. Her life was his. So she put her life on the line to fight for his, and she lost. So not only did he die, but basically she died too, but she was still here. So then after his passing, I got to see her misery and grief. You know, I want to be there and support her, but she tells me that she's crying herself to sleep every night, that she has no reason to live anymore. <laughs> Are you kidding? I don't want to hear this. I don't want to feel this. Like, and that's exactly what I realized I was doing was I was blocking my emotions. I was feeling things and didn't want to. I didn't choose that. I didn't want to be miserable. I didn't want to feel anybody else's pain. I didn't want to process the fact that someone I cared about had just died. And it made other people suffer, including me. 
that was it was terrifying. So my addictions really spun out of control. And of course, my mother had no no real desire to hang around anymore and let her cancer overtake her three years later. So then she's gone. I'm 25 years old. I'm an adult. I got this. Inherited a bit of money and that's it. Life, life on life's terms. You know, you get dealt a hand and you play it the best you can. And here we go. Of course, by this time, my fixer was gone. My mother, she took care of, she understood intuitively what was going on with me and made suggestions and made phone calls and helped me succeed. She was now gone. And I didn't realize I was dependent on her and my father. So I'll figure this out. I'm smart enough. I'm a you know, strapping 25-year-old man. I can do this. I did the best I could, which was basically get the hell out of my way. And then when you got angry at me, I would prove that I was right. You know, all sorts of nonsense. I learned to cope. I learned to get by. I learned to uh, do the best I could. And in the meantime, I came home and just had to shut down that machine because I was all defense mode all day long. You know, I had to prevent you from coming into me, taking my resources, draining my energy, asking me questions that I, I should know because I'm the expert now. I'm an adult. I, I know these things. I have a degree in computer science. I'm, I'm smart. I'm an expert at these things. I, I'm scared inside, you know, and I don't want anyone to know because they could use that to their advantage. And I was suspicious of other people manipulating others because I did that. That's how I got advantages. That's how I felt safe and protected by giving you half the story and then going around you, you know? And that was possible. I'm not proud of it. I did what I could. If life had done this to you, what would you do? You know, I justified it. But because I acted in those suspicious ways, I suspected others might be as well. Whether they were or not is beside the point. I had to always be on guard. That was, that was my 10, whole life. Thank 10. you very much. Thanks, Sammy. So that was that was my whole life. Hypervigilance, keeping keeping watch. Who's doing what? Reading body language, tone of voice, you know, actions, inactions, absence of things. You know, I had to keep track of everything. And man, that was exhausting. So at the end of the day, it was just shut it down. Shut it down. Well, the, uh, the alcohol and the marijuana were just way too much. You know, I was just obliterating myself and uh, it became unmanageable. And, and the, this, the strange part was I didn't want to stop. I didn't want to stop because what am I supposed to do? You know, if I don't use, I start feeling and then I start regretting. And then, oh God, remorse of conscience is the worst. I don't want to know what I've done. I don't want to face anything. I did what I had to and it sucked sucked for me and it sucked for them. I know that, but I didn't want to face it. So I kept running, running for myself. Huh, how cliche. You know, I was even sick of what I was doing at that point, but I didn't know what else to do. So after the ho two hospitalizations, it was like, all right, this, this is going to keep happening. And that's not good. I don't want to be in the hospital again because that was embarrassing. You know, again, I'm the professional and I'm leading a double life. How could I be a drug addict when I'm, you know, a white collar worker working a nice office job, getting paid well? Those two things didn't mix. So how do I explain to my boss that I was in the hospital, but I wasn't actually physically hurt? Well, there's some shame. Just don't ask. Don't ask. Don't tell. You know, so 
people in the hospital are great because they want it, they want you to recover. They want you to take care of yourself. You know, they gave me a lot of good advice and then they sent me out on my own and then I immediately fell down on my face again because I don't know what to do. I want to ask for help. So after the second major failing, it was time to uh, take the suggestions. You know, and it was out of fear. I went to my first 12-step program and they basically loved me until I could love myself, until I, I learned what I was doing could be done differently. And if I changed my attitudes, behaviors, I would get different results. They explained to me that I was powerless and that I wasn't a very good manager of my own life. That I could admit, you know, but come to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Eh, well, I like the restored to sanity idea because I was literally insane. That's what I was hospitalized for. So, all right, maybe, maybe there's something that could help me. This group seems to be more powerful than me. Maybe I can trust it. And uh, then I was like, all right, are you ready to turn your will and your life over to this? Like, maybe, like, let's see what that looks like. So I, I did some fourth step writing and I got, I got some anger out and it was good. It's good to share at meetings as well. It's good to share privately one-on-one -on -one with a sponsor. He was great because he would, he would offer his worst thing first. He would set the bar really low. So I say, yeah, me too. I did that too. And it was great. I felt connected. I felt less shame because other people had done what I had done. And really what I, what I didn't realize was that I needed a community. I needed to be connected to other people. I've heard it said the opposite of addiction is connection. And that's really what I was doing was isolating in my addictions. So I got into recovery and it, it started to take hold. I started to realize that I could live a life second to none. I could clean myself up and lie straight. Of course, substitutions happen. One thing leads to another. And my old eating behaviors came back because what am I supposed to do now that I'm not using drugs and alcohol anymore? Food's legal. And I never inculcated any proper behaviors around nutrition, food, I went to convenience stores and drive-thrus. I was a single guy. Oh, by the way, I have intimacy issues. So I was always single. <laughs> Attachment. I got all sorts of issues. But I'll try to focus on the food. At this point, I've been running for years through my 20s into the early 30s, getting clean, sober, but not knowing anything about food, not asking, not caring. But then the weight's starting to pack off. But again, I sit behind the computer. Nobody notices or nobody shames me. I was, you know, I'm over six feet tall. I can carry some extra pounds on me. But, uh, and it was funny because I was really getting heavy into my recovery, really grooving on it. You know, I was really grateful because, you know, I could see the results in my own life by working the steps and having a higher power in my life and having a sponsor and sponsoring people it was really going great and there was a woman in one of my meetings that I was just so ashamed she was looking at the floor but she's like I want to go to this OA meeting but I don't want to go alone and I just immediately raised my hand away I'll go with you like this will be great like it sucks to walk into a meeting by yourself it's terrifying like I'll go with you I'll help you out so we go to that first meeting and she's just squirming in her chair crawling out of her skin and i'm like wow this is an amazing speaker they're talking about the steps and they're talking about weighing and measuring their food i never even thought of that that sounds like a great way to set limits and boundaries to know 
am I doing this or not? They talked about alcoholic foods. I was like, wow, this is, you're going to do great here. I'm thinking, you know, she's, she's all set. And somebody starts talking to me after the meeting and he's like testing, you know, and I'm just answering all his questions. And he tells me about this other meeting, but it's like 15 in the morning on Saturday. And I'm like, well, I usually get up at five. That's not a problem. And conversation rolls on. And then I'm like, what was that meeting you said? So he tells me about the meeting again. And I put a pen and write it down. I'm like, this is weird. I never write anything down. And then suddenly I find myself that Saturday morning going to the meeting. And then same routine, awesome speaker. They had lots of routines, rituals, processes, procedures to, to help them overcome their uh, daily battles with food. And they had a program of recovery. I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing stuff. And then someone talks to me because I'm the newcomer. So they talked to me afterwards and same thing was, oh, there's this other meeting you can go to. I'm writing that down, go to that meeting. I'm walking out of that third meeting and then the veil of ignorance is lifted long enough that says, okay, you've just been to three OA meetings, two of them on your own. And I was like, oh my God, I just went to two OA meetings on my own. And then the veil comes down. I was like, just keep going. Just keep, you're all right. Just keep going. You've got a routine now. You know about three meetings. You've got phone numbers from people. You know, 12 steps. You've already agreed that what they're doing works. And I was terrified because I was like, why do I in OA? Like, I don't need this program. I've already in two other 12 programs. I don't need this. And then I started to think about it. It's like, yeah, I really don't know how to eat. And yeah, maybe I have put on a little weight. Maybe I'll keep going. And so I did. I just kept going. That's it. Just keep going. Don't, don't ask too many questions. I, again, People are talking to me. They seem nice. They, they're in other 12-step programs too. Like everything's fine. And the more I can hear about flour and sugar, like, yeah, God, I am addicted to that stuff. You know, I have that first bite and I'm gone. And uh, it felt good to admit that, you know, to say what I was doing wasn't working. You know, I was getting some relief and then nobody was shaming me. Everybody was like, yeah, I did that too. Yeah, I would go to the drive-thru and just sit in my car and eat all the stuff and throw it away and then go, hit another drive-thru or go to a convenience store or go home and eat and pretend like none of that happened. I was like, oh God, why are you talking about that stuff? It was embarrassing, but I can go, yeah, me too. You know, suddenly that bar got lowered again and I could cross that threshold into recovery. And that was another new beginning, the next level of my recovery. And I knew what it meant after coming for a couple of months, like crap, I should probably get a sponsor and get a food plan while I'm here I might as well learn how to eat so I listened there was a guy that seemed gentle enough I was going to 90-day meetings and some of them sounded pretty damn rigid and I was like well, I don't know about this but there was one guy that seemed to appreciate the disciplines and and he was a little soft-spoken so I I went and asked him you know he said call me tonight and it was another amazing instance with my higher power because I'm panicking. I'm almost literally shaking. I can feel it in my body. And he's, as he's telling me about going to the supermarket and buying vegetables, I was like, <laughs> I've never been to a supermarket to buy vegetables. Like, is this even possible? How do I do it? You know, stick to the outside edges. All the stuff in the middle is lined with uh, all sorts of ingredients that you, you told me you don't want to eat it anymore. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, that stuff is just not my food anymore. 
So he walked me through a lot of things, uh, including getting containers and preparing my food and bringing it to work. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm that guy that brings food to work. Like I had, I was Johnny Freedom. I can go anywhere I want, anytime I want. Now I'm going to be locked down to this. Like, how did I, oh no, this is terrifying. This is terrible. But again, something in me, like what got me to that first meeting was like, just try it. See it for yourself. That's 20, Jason. Thank you very much. So it turns out I can do this. I can go to the supermarket. I can buy vegetables. I can prepare my food. I can portion it out. I can weigh and measure, put it in containers. I can bring it with me. And it turns out that's actually a lot easier in a lot of cases because <laughs> I don't have to think about it. I just have to do it. If I prepare it in advance and I have the food, I just open the containers, I eat it, I move on with my life. It's fuel for my body. It's not a fun time thing anymore. It's not a reward. And that was, that was some of the, the major shifts I had to face. Again, there was another layer of emotional reckoning I had to face was what was going on with me. And that, all that stuff coming to the surface provided me a next layer of recovery, peeling the onion. I could get down another layer and say, what's going on with me? What are all these attachment issues? Why do I value other people's opinions more than my own? How come I don't trust and rely on my higher power more? You know, I could really get a stronger connection through prayer meditation when I had less garbage running through my blood. And that's really what I was doing. I was polluting my system. It was like blood thickeners, the sugar and flour really just slowed me down. And I didn't have that mental clarity that I so needed because I was still making, I was making better decisions. I wasn't destroying myself as much. I wasn't the best version of myself. I want to be more active, caring, compassionate, and valuable in other people's lives. Not necessarily to get their approval, but because as a suffering addict, I know what it's like to not see my own stuff and how harsh it is when someone says, here's your problem right here, right? So I could be more compassionate and help people recover. And yeah, I was clumsy at first, but I'm getting better, I hope, at, at helping other people. And that's really where my life begins. I have a job that pays my bills, but my life, my choices are in recovery. I'm active in three different 12-step programs. I've got many sponsees, some just phone calls, some working the steps. And it's amazing to have conversations because as I, I'll, I'll often say in meetings is when I'm just sitting here by myself, I don't have a, a vibrant connection with my higher power because it's not needed. But when I when I'm talking to somebody else or when I'm on a meeting speaking like this, this is where I'm more likely to make a mistake and be clumsy and fall through my own inadequacies and cause harm to somebody. This is where I stay open to my higher power to give me the words I need. And if I can slow down and pause, amazing things come out of my mouth and I'm impressed. I'm like, wow, I, well, geez, that sounds amazing. And then it loops back and I go, oh crap, I need to do more of that too. It's like the advice, the finger I point out, you know, three fingers pointing back, it's like, oh crap. But I'm grateful for that because it's when I put myself in front of somebody else, I can hear my higher powers voice through them, through myself, through the group itself. And when I'm not in a group, when I'm not talking to somebody, I don't hear it as strong and loud. So I do need points of rest and I do need points of activity. I need to weigh and measure my activities, my time. I need to honor and respect myself and others. Oh man, I've learned a lot. 
it just seems to pile on, but it doesn't happen all at once. It is a process, not an event. It's, it's just for today. I, don't, I like that phrase better than one day at a time because I hear one day at a time, my brain says there's more, there's more to come. It's like, no, 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 it's just for today. Just do today and I'm good. And if I set myself up for success in advance, it's really just easier. It's, it's not coasting, but it's just processing. It's handling, it's doing, it's moving through my life with my consciousness guided by the courage and strength of my higher power that wants me to be the better version of myself. And that's been the confusing part because um, I didn't know who I was. Recovery is about an act of redemption rather than salvation in my experience. I needed to find out who I was and come into my fullness of myself rather than listen to somebody else's values and opinions of who they think I should be. And of course, I, I didn't know what I was doing at the beginning and I didn't trust myself because you know, through my own actions, I realized I was causing harm to myself and others. So why would I trust me? But I had nobody else because I pushed everybody else out. So the, re the redemption of myself was my sponsor pushing me to say, try it, try it, see what the results are. And now that's one of my missions to do that with my sponsees, to listen to them, to acknowledge their fears, to hear where they think they're strong and not, and ask them to go find out and see it for themselves. Because it was only through my own actions could I actually start to believe things. Like when I heard people in the meeting saying, saying all these amazing things about how their life got better when they stopped using, when they started following their disciplines, their program, it was, it, it could only come in so far. I knew they weren't lying, but I didn't quite know how true it was. And it was confusing. So the invitation was there, try it and see it for yourself. And when I actually started following my food plan, I realized it sets me free. I'm able to just go about my day without having to think about what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I spent a lot of time thinking about food and that was ridiculous. Now I spend a lot less time about food. And then the thoughts and feelings of what have I done come up? I have a plan to process that with my sponsor and uh, the, the steps, but then I also can turn my attention to helping others. And that's really where I feel better about myself. If you want self-esteem, do esteemable acts. If I can go out and say something that's helpful to another person, I feel this strange vibration come back from them. It's called gratitude. They're appreciative of what I did. And even if I'm confused, like I didn't, I wasn't trying to help you. I was just saying what came to me. And it's like, well, then maybe that was from their higher power using me because I was a convenient channel to this person. I'm like, okay, that's nice. It's nice to know that I was helpful to someone because I wasn't, I didn't think I was helpful to anyone. I didn't think I was helpful to myself. I was always trying, I wanted that, but I never saw the feedback. I never stopped and slowed down long enough to take it in. And that's a bigger lesson I've learned in recovery is allowing feelings to come into me and to come out of me. I always had to have this membrane, this hard shell to prevent getting blown away. I mean, if you were angry at me, oh my God, it was like I was dying. I was dying, you were angry. So it was my job to make you happy. And then sometimes I was inadequate. How do, I don't know what you want. I don't know, I can't make you happy. And that was the confusing difference. I didn't know myself from you which is you know, tied into my intimacy issues, which is my next level I'm working on. But what I'm learning is it's a journey of self-discovery. 
And that's not what I came into program for. I just wanted the pain to stop, okay? I was miserable. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. I was completely depressed and demoralized. Like this just isn't working. And that was the beginning I needed to open up and to start try something new, to take a suggestion, to follow a direction. You know, uh, my sponsor used to send out quotes that said things. The one that stuck in my mind was freedom is on the other side of discipline. I never wanted discipline. Get out of here. Two minutes. Two minutes. Thank you. So the disciplines I got from a 90-day OA program were important to me because it was something I was always told as a kid. I was given clear directions all my life. And I was always so smart and clever. I'm going to get away with this. Ha, ha, ha. You're the idiots following the directions. I'm taking shortcuts. Until a, a lifetime of self-destruction led me to believe that the easier, softer way was to follow the damn directions in the first place and get the results that everybody was already talking about were valuable to them, to trust them and to see that for myself. I didn't know any of that. I had to learn that slowly, you know, and um, I'm grateful for all of these programs, all of these people, all of these meetings. Not sure I said too much that was helpful, but Hopefully I did. It was at least helpful to me. So uh, I'll say thank you and uh, wrap up from there.